Hello and welcome to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late night meals. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Tennessee Pre, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there's none better than Steve at Skull Smash. If you're looking to hit a brutal pull and you need that added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. If you're like me and you want that focus boost in your training without the caffeine crash, then Tennessee Pre is the pre-workout for you. And I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who do you ill is a vital part of my training. You can head over to any of their Instagram pages to get some products. This afternoon, I'm chatting with Aaron Patrick, the infamous bassist of the metal band All That Remains and an avid powerlifter and cook. You don't want to miss any of this episode as we branch out from our normal fitness programming and into the world of music, talking all things metal, PB&Js and tour vans, and naming your kid Apple. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Aaron, what is going on? How are you today, sir? You know, I'm doing all right. Had the overnight shift last night, uh, and so woke up about an hour ago, eager to, to hear your story and get to chat. Nice. I'm here for uh, it. Well, you know, for those who who don't know who you are, I wonder just kind of on the front end, you know, I uh, my kind of intro people would have just listened to. Obviously, you're a bassist for All It Remains. You're a power lifter. You're an avid foodie. You know, you're a multifaceted guy, but I wonder just... Firstly, with the powerlifting angle, how in the world did you get into competitive powerlifting? Well, I've you know I've always been uh, into working out. I mean, I started kind of messing around with training a bit when I was in high towards the the end of high school, and then uh, kind of when I joined my uh, first major band, Barrier Dead, uh, we I started I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, and one of the guys I was in the band with he was really into working out. So we actually kind of we had some time off, and we just I don't know decided to kind of really take it serious and um, started lifting a lot, and I really really enjoyed it. And just, you know, I was always kind of a I don't know, I was like I wouldn't say a skinny kid, but I was a pretty slender gentleman. <laughs> sure. And uh, so I don't know, I was just started working out and started um, growing from there, and started you know watching and you feel all these positive things that happen and change your body and how it makes you feel and everything. And, uh, I just kind of was super attracted to it. It made me feel good. And, um, getting down the road, I was kind of at a crossroad around maybe like 2016. Um, I had just moved to Canada and we were off tour and we were kind of, uh, getting, setting up the cycle for a record called madness. And we had, I don't know, maybe like five months off of touring. And, you know, I always, you know, enjoyed working out and it was always just kind of a thing for me to, I do this because I like the way it feels or I want to, um, I don't know, take care of myself, but I just kind of was like, I need a real goal. I need something to put my energy, um, into something just beyond feeling like I'm at the stagnant maintaining or just, Oh, I do it. Cause I just do it. Um, so I decided to take something serious. And actually at the time, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I wanted to, you know, I was like, maybe I'll try a bodybuilding show or maybe I'll join a CrossFit gym and try to be competitive at that. But because um, I didn't think I was like, oh, I'm not strong and I could never be a powerlifter. <laughs> I was like, sure. No <laughs> you know, it's easy to doubt yourself because I never had a good squat or deadlift. I just, you know, I always, you know, I've, I've had a, 
a bad back for a long time because I have a pretty serious anterior pelvic tilt. Um, so I've, I've had it gone out a few times before and, you know, I made a lot of excuses why you shouldn't do those lifts, but be, because I didn't know what I was doing. So it's easy to That's describe right. something when you're, <laughs> when you're not formed. Um, so, um, after kind of evaluate, I actually called my friend, Aaron legend. He is a, a pro, uh, IBFF pro up in Toronto. And I called him like, Aaron, you know, like, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about bodybuilding. What do you think? He's like, don't do it, man. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, it will just, you know, it's such a life consuming thing. And especially for my schedule and, you know, it's already hard enough being, you know, home and then traveling and in weird places and flying, you know, you have to be the diet part is the, it's such a strict discipline. And, um, you know, he just, I, you know, I just heeded his advice. I was like, okay, you know, this dude knows me and knows what it takes. And, um, and I'm not saying that it shouldn't say, discourage anybody, but, um, it just looking back, it was definitely the right decision for me personally. Um, powerlifting definitely has fit my schedule and my mindset in the way that, um, I've adapted it to, to the training very well. And I think it, it was definitely, you know, a very insightful, um, <laughs> thing from him and, you know, so, um, and now, you know, and I said, it works, I can go on tour and I can, I can eat and I can find local gyms and I can stay at, and my coach sends me, uh, you know, all my workouts remotely. So, um, yeah, it definitely works for my lifestyle. Yeah. Well, and it is, it, you know, I, I laugh because I've got, we all got those friends who are bodybuilders who, I mean, their, their lives are consumed with, eating 10 times a day of the same like chicken, rice, broccoli, steak, rice, broccoli. It's just, just, and even when it is steak, they've ruined it because they have to like, (laughs) it's well done. You know, it's got their bread. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Um, And so, you know, you get the two polar opposites of the really strict eating. And then you got your power lifters eating, you know, going to Buffalo Wild Wings and getting their triple decker burgers. And (laughs) it's got a little more feeling. (laughs) yeah it's it's the it's the lift weights by any means necessary instead of (laughs) i want to look you know at two percent body fat tanned up on a on a stage (laughs) yeah it's it's uh i'm okay (laughs) yeah that's something i don't want to ruin my life you know it's well you know and and you mentioned it's been a, a good balance for you um with the band so those that are listening in i know you're actually one of the most requested guys i've gotten in a little while i've got a couple Whoa. yeah i know so not to not to gas you up at all or anything <laughs> um but i had <clears throat> i actually was talking to a guy this morning from liberty his name's marquise he's a big all that remains fan and so he wanted me to make sure I shouted out and said that he's a huge fan of you. Uh, it was a personal request that. by him. Um, but for those who who may not know a ton about the band, I mean, you've you kind of joined them in 2015. I know you've been doing stuff with tour managing. You've kind of bounced around with a few different bands. I wonder, can you walk us a little bit through even your journey in metal and in, in in being on tours and kind of all that that's kind of brought for you? Well, um, I know I try to do music for. I mean, I I mean I've been in interested in music since I was a kid. You know, I grew up in a household where my parents were always playing records and rock and, you know, a little bit of everything. My mom was into eighties pop stuff and, and my, my dad got me into, you know, Scorpions and Led Zeppelin and, um, you know, more, more of that vein. And I, my brother's 10 years older than me. So he was into Ozzy and Skid Row and, you know, hair bands and that kind of stuff. So I definitely had a lot coming at me from all angles. And then I discovered Metallica and, Mm-hmm. And Nirvana, you know, and, and that, that kind of stuff. And it just was like, whoa, there's this whole nother world out there. And I remember the, <laughs> yeah. the first time I heard uh, 
uh, the riff for Blackened. Uh, I remember a friend, a kid mm-hmm. at, in grade school, I don't know, about sixth grade or something, gave me this cassette. I took it home and I put it in. And I was just like, what is this? <laughs> and I just couldn't get it out of my head. It was just, it just, it just blew my mind. Same thing when I first heard White Zombie, uh, like Thundercats 65. My brother gave me that and that cassette and a vulgar display of power. And I just was infatuated with it. Um, and then, you know, through high school, I started, um, you know, writing songs and playing with other guys and, and, jo- and starting bands and everything and did a few of those. And, and I have actually eventually gave up on music for a while because I had started three different bands and I had actually gotten kicked out of all three of them <laughs> <laughs> for one reason or the other. Like my very first band when I was like 14, they wanted to be super new metal, you know, corn and Limp Biscuit were kind of coming out and, and they, and I was super into punk rock. I had, you know, plaid jeans and boots and spiky hair and i was into rancid no effects and uk subs and exploited and that kind of stuff and uh and you know they wanted they like you know hey dude you think you could like wear some some big you know like my jinko jeans and play your bass low like field d i'm like no (laughs) i am i'm not playing pretend because you are into limp biscuit and stuff so so they're like, you know, creative differences and we're so terrible anyway. So they ended up kicking me out. <laughs> and then what else did I did? Um, see, I started like a little punk rock band. That was a lot of fun. I started actually playing um, in real venues and out of town. And that, that was full, fun. But uh, we eventually just kind of called it quiz for one reason. The other that was uh, amicable. And then I did a couple more punk bands. And then I did a hardcore band uh, in my early 20s. And uh I wasn't willing to quit my day job because we went. On, we would go on tour, and my friends. Um, he had a GMC Yukon, and we used to, you know, six of us crammed in this thing, driving around <laughs> the country. And but it was amazing, though. It was my first, like, you know, signed album uh, release, and we would go on tour and everything. But you know, I just they wanted to tour more than I was willing to. It was like I had to pay bills and stuff. I, you know, I wasn't ready to, you know, um, do any of that yet. So uh, I got booted out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, after a couple of years, I was like, yeah, I'm over it. And I was actually a welder. I was building cranes in this uh, in a shop I'm in Cincinnati, where I'm from. And uh, and I had made friends with the guys in Barrier Dead. And they had just kicked their bass player out. And they gave me a call and said, hey, you trying to come rock with us? And I said, sounds like a plan. <laughs> so I left. I was living in northern Kentucky at the time. And I, I moved down to Jacksonville, Florida. And that to me was surreal because... I don't know. You go to Florida for vacation. You can't live near palm trees in that beach. Right. That's that's unheard of. (laughs) So I moved to Florida and that was like kind of a game changing year for me. You know, I said I had mentally kind of given up in this whole idea that I'm going to do music. I'd quit in college twice. Quitting. Did I say quitting college? Quitting. Yeah. Uh, I had quitting it <laughs> in apostrophe. <laughs> I had done quitting college twice. Yeah, you really are from the South. You're messing yeah. this up. <laughs> Florida man does podcast. <laughs> um, so I I had quit college twice and and all this stuff, and then uh, I had joined the band, and then my I mean my first tour we had opened for Devil Driver, and that was really really cool. Who which I end, eventually ended up becoming a, a member of later down the road. And then I remember my second tour with the band in 2006, we were on the Corn Family Values Tour. It was Corn, Deftones, Stone Sour, uh, this Japanese band called Deer and Gray. And it was unreal because it was in sheds every night. And it was like 10 bands for 10 bucks. So wow. it was every single night it was sold out, the 10 to 14,000 people. And um, 
that was just one of those dream come true moments, you know, and like, and it was so funny at the time because I remember these guys kicking me out of this band because they wanted to play pretend. And here I am like, yo, I'm opening for corn. Fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was a, it was a really co- cool moment. And, uh, and, you know, I don't just, you know, we, uh, we upgraded to a, a rental RV, which got trashed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a really cool year for me and moment. A lot of neat stuff happens. We opened for kill switch and that on that tour, actually, that's where I met uh, all the remains. They were on like the first half of that tour. And that's when we became friends in 2006. And then, um, you know, just jumped around. I eventually had a, ended up quitting Barry Dead to pursue tour managing and did that. I worked for Unearth and uh, Hatebreed and Bring Me the Horizon and a bunch of different bands. Um, but that was more of a an avenue for me to continue touring and staying busy and networking because I didn't want to just – I had to quit the band for personal reasons. And um, I didn't want to just call it, you know, like be like, well, got to get a job now. I'm like, fuck that. I want to tour. This is my life. This is my passion. I love being out here. This is just in my DNA. I need to be around music. So that's kind of why I started tour managing and I ended up being good at it. And I really enjoyed it and taking care of the artists who I was working for and uh, logistics. And then here I am, I don't know, over many different gigs and uh, jobs over those years and kind of done it all on the music side and production side, filled, filled in for some really cool bands like Lamb of God and In Flames, Kingdom of Sorrow, uh, Bleeding Through, played for some cool people. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I mean, you've even just as you said, I mean, a, a whole lot has happened since, you know, that that first day of getting kicked out of a band because you didn't want to yeah. play pretend, yeah. you know, and, you know, I, even as I've as I've chatted with different powerlifters um, and even my own, you know, powerlifting journey of just a direct comparison of even like these top guys, I think of someone, you know, like Ed Cohen, who never heard of know, him. Never heard of him. Yeah, who, who is he? <laughs> is he is he important? I don't. The <laughs> old guy. Yeah, is, does he is he relevant anymore? I don't. Uh, you know the, that I think of someone like like Ed Cohen, who obviously looking back, you know, so many records, so many competitions, yep. but it all started the first squat. You know, it all started with nervous. Your heart's beating out of your chest, and you're like shaking under the bar. You're like, "This shouldn't be as hard as it is." Like, I feel like I squat more than this. And the judge says, "Squat." You dive bomb it. You know, and all the nerves are. But it is, you know, it's it's interesting because in whatever industry you're in, whatever you know task that you're investing in, it starts with that first kind of awkward moment of like, "Oh, is this this is kind of cool? Like, maybe I want to do this with my life." You know, I think that's just. That's so human. Like, that's so cool, you know, because you can look back and really be like, man, holy shit, have I grown, you know? Of course, yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I even wonder for you, you know, what what has it been like even watching yourself? And obviously in the moment, you're, you're not really thinking, you're just kind of like, oh, this is the next thing. But even as you look back over your tenure, what has it been like even watching yourself move into really prominence of and success, even thinking about that first time of getting kicked out of three different bands? It, it's crazy. And, and um, I'm just so fortunate that I've been able to do this for such a long time. And um, as a full time, this is my career, you know, and and uh, it took a long, long time to 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 I just I, don't, I, I shouldn't measure success by like, you know, like the living that you make, because I feel if you're in a happy place and you're pursuing your passion and you um, it's not always measured by the finance you make or like sure. the, the return because 
the return is the experience. Yeah. And I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I was going to originally going to college to go into um, package design. I was going to, you know, design for products and mm-hmm. because I went to, art, I went to two different art colleges and that was definitely my other passion other than music. But um, I wanted to live in a van and eat PB and J's and sleep on floors more than anything in the world. <laughs> yeah. And, and we had friends bands that would come through like every time I die or, you know, being through all these other bands and I would just see them doing it. And like, I just, I was infatuated with God, just, I just want to be in a van with dudes and play shows every night. It's the only thing I cared about. So there was no return for a long time. I mean, I could, I was paying bills and stuff, but it's not like I was getting ahead in life and buying sick shit or whatever, which right? who cares? You know, it's the, the friendships and the stories and those moments like on that corn tour, I remember the, the very first day we all drove down to Atlanta and there's a big pre-production day as they do on big tours where they'll you know, do laminates and they'll kind of have, usually have like a tour talk. Hey, this is what we expect from everybody. This is how things are going to roll. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and I remember uh, just hanging out during the day and it was an Aaron's amphitheater in Atlanta. And I remember walking around that, uh, that big pavilion. And I remember calling my mom and being like, Ma, I don't know. Just having that one of those kind of like come, come to Jesus moments. Like, right. this is, like I'm doing this. Like this is this is for real. Like yeah. I have. I like you know when you just you kind of have that access mm-hmm. when you like you're there. You know, yeah. Kind of yeah. Just, you you got the keys to to make it happen. You're not on the outside in Gen Pop anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so it's uh it was it's a it's a really cool feeling. So. um yeah, being being able to stick with it and and make your passion come to fruition is uh, that's all any human being I think can ever ask for. Yeah, and you know, <clears throat> even even as I've you know, COVID has been you know a nightmare for a lot of people. But you know, it's it's interesting in the midst of the last four five however long we've now been in quarantine, whatever whatever it is. I don't know what <laughs> year it is anymore. Yeah, I don't even know what day it is. Is it Sunday? Is it July? Who knows. Um, that, you know, even with this podcast, I remember having a specific conversation with the same thing with calling my mom at one point, I think it was after I chatted with Steffi Cohen, where I texted her being like, Hey, you want to jump on the podcast? And she was like, sure. And I like called my mom and I was like, mom, like, am I tripping? Like, is this, like, is this happening? I, and it was that moment of just like, wow, like maybe, maybe I found something that works, you know? And it is, it's just that feeling of like, wow, like. I feel like I've kind of been shoveling shit for the last 22 years, but like maybe I've found <laughs> something that, that I can really, you know, run with. And it is, it's just, that's, it really is all that a guy or, or a girl can ask for. Cause they're like, wow, like it works. Yeah. It's, and, it, and it takes time to figure that out. It's, and you know, it's, we all deal with our own self doubt and our own, should I do this? Should I invest my time and my energy into this? Is it, is there a return, whether it be um, internal or, or financial, whatever, whatever your motive is. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's, you got to start somewhere and it's all trial and error and you got to find, Hey, does this groove suit me Yeah. to, to pursue? Yeah. Well, you know, and you mentioned, um, you know, one of the big things has been just the stories. And I, I wonder if you could just share like, what, what is one of your favorite memories, even, you know, with your current, with all that remains, I wonder what has been one of your favorite moments just with the band, whether it was on tour, whether it was just like hanging out in a van, like whatever it was, I wonder if you just share what's really been cherished for you as being a part of that band. Um, 
You know, there's been a lot of really cool moments. I mean, honestly, when we did the Madness record, that was a big thing for me just because, I don't know, it, it was, we kind of did this, we did a different approach than with any other record. And, and you know, we went to LA a bunch of times and, and uh, we just kind of did the, how do you, how do you want to put it? Um, like the big, big scale record production producer kind of vibe. It wasn't just the band and Adam D in Massachusetts, you know, just Ollie writing songs and Ollie and Phil mostly um, and just banging it out and, and writing jams. We went out there and we tried different things and it was, you know, a very um, creative, um, how do I, I'm trying to articulate the words here, but um, the creative process was, was definitely a neat experience and just be, being out there all the time and uh, how we ended up working together. It was, I don't know, it was really, 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 really cool to be in a, in a place that was so conducive for, creative thoughts and in, in the, in the process. And um, that was really neat, but honestly, we just, we have a, we have a good time on tour and like, even in my own, my, my own personal um, art, I guess artistic outlet, but I've grown as a singer a lot. And even as a player, this band has definitely pushed me to become a better musician. And I hold that in a pretty high regard because everybody's so good. Like yeah. I'll be the first, first to admit I'm, I'm the weak leak in the band, yeah. you know, like, Jason's just a pretty unmatchable drummer. I mean, Ali is, you know, he's a fucking legend. Richardson's amazing. Mike's one of the best rhythm guitar players I've ever, ever met. He's got a right hand like James Hetfield. And Phil is a singer and a songwriter. He's great at both. He's so good at it. He's taught me a lot about singing and melodies and harmonies and stuff. So um, I've definitely grown a lot as a as a musician. And I, I definitely think that's probably, you know, something that I – you know, you can't take that away. Yeah. It's your own personal growth. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's, it's funny to hear you say because I guarantee you if I ask probably any of the rest of them, hey, who do you think the weakest link of the band is? They'll probably all say themselves. So, no, you know, because they'll say me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those assholes, they'll still say, oh, it's Bobby Shia, yeah. Tim. <laughs> well, it's good to know that they'll throw you under the bus. That's, uh, yeah, of course they will. At least you know that they will. <laughs> For sure. That's how we operate. There's, there's no, uh, there's no sensitive feelings. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, you know, kind of, you know, switching topics a little bit, you know, more to the practical thing. So I, I grew up in pretty much as conservative a Christian household as physically possible. Um, you know, where I'm, I grew up listening to Skillet. I grew up listening to POD, you know, and I even then was like, man, like, am I allowed to listen to this kind of music? You know, where what a story I just told with, with madness, uh, the producer, Howard Benson, he's the guy that did all those POD records. Yeah. So in that studio, it's neat. Cause he has, you know, there's some of my favorite records and the reason why one of my big reasons why wanting to work with him is that the self-titled Seussin record, um, my chem three or what is it? Three cheers for sweet revenge or whatever. Uh, that one, but all those POD records, there are all those big plaques are on the walls too. And you're like, God, they really sold a shitload of records. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, it's just, it's a remarkable band. Like I, I mean, I it's grew cool. up around the time when the satellite album came out. Um, you know, I was born just a few years before that. Uh, and so I remember, you know, my sisters were listening to it and I kind of got onto it. And that was pretty much as much as an edgy Christian <laughs> could get away with as, as a kid. And then when you went to sleep, in a sleeping giant. Not really. Like kind of as I've gotten older, like I, I've kind of dabbled with it. But like I'm really someone who 
like people will put me on to certain artists at certain stages of my life and I'll just grind on them. Like I'm so loyal once I get onto a certain artist that it like, it's almost to a fault where then I just don't listen to anyone else. And I like feel bad. Someone's like, oh. I'm the same. <laughs> yeah. Because you start listening. You're like, man, I really love this vibe, but then I'm not good at finding someone who has a similar vibe. So I just stick there. You know, like I've been, I've been on a Hollywood undead grind since probably high school. Like that's like yeah. my go-to powerlifting. <laughs> like everyone's like Moses. Like, are you okay? Like you're you're listening to some really angsty music, man. I'm like, hey, don't worry about it. It's working. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but you know, for those who you know are are powerlifting or in strength sports, obviously, other than all that remains, what are your top metal bands that people should be listening to when they're training to really get the added boost? Well, I know that's, that's just a matter of opinion. Um, in, in your professional, humble opinion. My go-to is if I'm like, all right, I need to turn it on. My my top favorite records are Figure Four, Suffering the Loss. Okay. It's one of my favorite like hardcore records. Um, Buried Alive. Uh, what is it? The Death of Your Perfect World. Amazing record. Um, Hate Breed You Can't Go Wrong With. Of course. Obviously, Pantera. Um uh, vulgar, or, I mean, far beyond driven. That's probably in there. Um, Slipknot, self-titled, of course. Um, and uh, I like I like Kill Switch a lot when I'm lifting. They're great. Yeah, yeah. Those are some of them. Yeah. Well, I've uh, you know, I think it was maybe it was my last powerlifting meet. Um, I you know, in high school, I did. I went through that angsty phase. You know, that we all go through. You're like, oh man, like I kind of hate the world, but like. At the same time, like I just kind of want to seem edgy. So it was like when I when I came onto Hollywood Undead, and at the same time, you know, I had this like pop punk friend who just had to make sure he knew all the quote unquote cutting edge people. And so he gets me on Emotionless and White. Mm-hmm. And I my last powerlifting meet, they were like, "Hey, what do you want your your walkout song to be?" And I said, "You know, I want it to be Hate Fuck by Emotionless and White." And I looked at the powerlifting meet director, and he was like excuse me and i was like hey just trust me man it's good of course no one's ever heard this before like it's like an off the obscure infamous album like no one and i had like seven guys come up to me after the meet they're like dude who the hell was that band that you just had coming on i was like hey man like if you want to hate people like (laughs) this is the one for you so but but it is funny you know there is just there's such a a broad spectrum of of metal deathcore scream like i i can't even begin to go into the tip of the iceberg i feel like but as you've interacted with you know different bands on tour what have been some of the coolest interactions for you with other bands that you maybe haven't you know worked with specifically but have just kind of come across you know listen to their music and then you meet them in person you're like man holy shit these guys are awesome um hmm. i don't know it's been a lot of those mudvane uh, we did a tour with them and ended up becoming really good friends. And the, one of my favorite moments, uh, on that tour was, you know, I, it's, it's funny. Remember when they first came out, I, I really wasn't into the band at all. And then, um, as time passed, I was like, Oh, these guys are, are, are pretty good. And then like at, when we actually got on tour with them and I watched them every night, I've always been admired their bass player, Ryan, how he's such a insanely good bass player. And, uh, we started talking and, and, uh, I used to go up there and I would take his in-ear pack and I would listen to his mix while they played. And I would watch the show and it would be just him and a little bit of drums. And I would sit up there for the entire set and just listen to this dude play bass over top of drums. And, you know, he does so much technical 
stuff between slapping and tapping, slapping and tapping. <laughs> and um, so I, I think that, that, that was a really, really cool bonding experience. And um, I don't know, there's just, there's a, there's a lot of people have gone out and ended up becoming good friends with, even like just working for Hatebreed, you know, those are my dudes. We've been through a lot together and we've been all over the world together. Um, so that was cool. You know, growing up, that was one of my favorite hardcore bands. Yeah. And I remember going to see them, when I was 21 years old, they'd play in, at, at Bogarts in Cincinnati and be like, it's fucking April. Ah. Yeah. And here I am touring with them and becoming friends and that kind of stuff. So it's pretty neat how it comes full circle. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of <clears throat> maybe a better way even to, to part off of this. Do you think that maybe, you know, especially as, as you move more into your, your death core uh, and, and your, your darker metal do you think some of these bands maybe get like a bad rep for just being like bad people for like coming out of this? Because it does like, when you listen to it, you're like, wow, like this is, this is intense, you know, but do you think sometimes, you know, these bands, maybe even you've dealt with this where you feel like you maybe get branded a little bit as being a certain type of person because you're coming out with this quote unquote dark metal music, or is that just kind of this misnomer that's just kind of being thrown out by like these Southern Baptist people are like metals from the devil. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's, it's, Everything has so, been so exposed these days. I just don't, it's not the same as, you know, like, you know, early internet days when sure. there was a, a stigma. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, 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 I haven't really experienced that at least in the, any time in the recent future. So I can't put words in people's mouths, but I, you know, I don't, I think it's, it's not as shocking as when, you know, Marilyn Manson came out and people were sure. like, oh my God, he's so doing this and that yeah <laughs> everybody's seen everything now nobody cares sure so the, the the internet's allowed for a little bit more of us just getting unfazed by everything yeah, that could potentially absolutely. happen uh growing up on live leak and reddit 50 50 of we, we we've all seen everything that could go wrong with society by the time we've grown up mm-hmm. um well so a, a lesser known fact about you that, that people may not know unless they're they're on your instagram grind you are a big food enthusiast I mean, you're, yeah. you're all about it. Like it's, mm-hmm. I'm like tapping through your highlights. You're posting steak, you're posting waffle this morning. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to the waffles at the back end, but um, you know, I I've seen a decent amount of you cooking. What, what's the, what's the rationale behind it? Why is it just the power lifter in you? That's like, man, I want to eat a million things. Like I've got so many questions on the food range. The first one, I, I mean, I'll just say, you know, what is your specialty? Because every every good chef has their specialty. That's what they're gonna show people when they have to prove a point. What what's the what's the proven recipe? Uh I'm I don't know. I I love making steak. Yeah. I just I love it. As you should. Um, as you should. Yeah. Uh Italian dishes is too. I can Italian is where, you know, I don't know, it's in my heritage, I guess. It just it's so it's so easy to pour love into it and and make it make it amazing because it it allows for all of these great ingredients and things that just are everybody, unless you're gluten intolerant. Oh, <laughs> God <laughs> <Or> forbid. <dairy. laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I really, really like cooking Italian. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a big Italian family, so I don't know. It just, just feels, feels right to me. I guess it I feels know. right. You come home, they're made, they're making the homemade spaghetti sauce, you know, your meatball. I mean, it's, it's a tradition. If you haven't experienced coming home and there's homemade spaghetti getting made, I, you're just your life is invalidated as far as we're blowing it. <laughs> it's just you missed out on one of the highlights of childhood. Yeah, go get a rent Italian and uh, <laughs> a rent Italian. Rent an Italian. 
<laughs> yeah. Rent, rent, rent a Nona. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that could be a new brand. You know, if all this metal goes down, instead of Cameo, you can rent Italian grandmother. I'm going to have a whole stock of Italian grandmas <laughs> and you can go on the website and it'll show up like, ah, and just come over and they'll cook for you and be like, this is sick. You're like, wow, this is incredible. Like, how much is it? They're like, oh, I just wanted a hug and to hear that you're happy. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, okay. So how from from the steak enthusiast himself, what is an appropriately cooked steak look like? You know, from a from absolute blue steak, steak tartare to oh, God forbid, shoe leather well done. And what is the correct basting to do for your kind of steak? Um, it depends what your, what your, obviously your palate is and what you want to go for. But I mean, the hands down proven can't go wrong is you get your thick ribeye or filet, whatever cut you want to go with, um, get your hot cast iron. And some people are all about the oil sear, which, or you can use the fat. So you just, once that thing gets hot as all hell, 500, 550, something like that. Get your fat in there and it'll start smoking. Or if you want to use a regular pan, usually you heat your pan up until the pan starts smoking a little bit. Get some heat, put your oil in, wait till the heat, the oil starts heating up. And then you, now there's controversy on this because if you go to like a salt based restaurant, New Surette, mm-hmm. if I, I believe they do not pre season and or salt that meat because it's all, really? that, it's that Australian Wagyu and it, and it's so rich and that the fat is so like, concentrated with flavor that they they just don't put it on ahead of time so they'll just take it and they you you sear the outside at a super hot degree so that you get a nice obviously crust on the outside you put it on your indirect heat you know typically if, if you're back with doing on a, on a cast iron once you get your sear put your butter or your thyme add your garlic and your pepper in because you don't want to burn the garlic never sear with garlic on the steak um, the same with the pepper. I mean, you you can obviously, especially on a grill, if you're going to put a bunch of pepper or a bunch of seasoning on there, it's going to give you that nice crust and that char. But if you're inside and you're doing it, the pepper will smoke a lot. So it just depends. Uh, some people like it. Some people don't. But get that Kerrygold Irish butter. There is no other butter. Absolutely. Don't bother fucking with anything else. <laughs> if you do, you're an absolute asshole. And uh, pour that butter in that casty and just – the the trick is to rock it back so it's tilted up on your uh, on the axis, and you just take that spoon and you base keep basting that steak, flip it, and it'll just keep cooking evenly. Pull it out, let it rest. Never cut into it uh, off unless it went. Eh, never let. Oh, I can't talk today. <laughs> Once you pull it off, let it rest for like sixty seven minutes, but never cut into it right away because on your juices are going are going to run out because you want that fat to kind of start to coagulate and solidify and get that meat. You know, you want to taste it. If you uh, if it's too hot in the inside of that steak and you cut, it's going to juices out. And then you just it's a bust. It's a bust. You know, yeah. I I I don't know if I've ever heard someone so passionately describe. A steak. I'm I'm impressed. That was. I, I feel like I just heard you make love to a steak. You know this all. You know. Hey, perfect. you gotta put a love in a steak. <laughs> um, so I actually I grew up overseas in Ireland. So you know I absolutely agree. The Kerry Gold. I mean there there's nothing better. You have to you got to get it straight from the source as well. The butter's good. The cheese is good. That's the great. beer is good. I mean it's all it's a whole it's a whole thing. You know they, they have their own beer. Oh, not Kerry Gold. I was just saying Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> 
Damn, yeah, wow. Beer, beer, butter, butter beer? <laughs> butter beer. Well, yeah, I guess. It's hey. Harry, Harry Potter vibes. It's good. Oh, man. But yeah, man. Well, now at this point, I feel like I need to go home and cook myself a steak tonight. Probably should. I mean, I probably should. I steak yesterday. Yeah. I go ahead and order from uh, Certified Piedmontese. Go ahead and get them straight Nebraska beef. That was a plug. That was shameless. Certified Piedmontese, if you're listening to this, sponsor me. Ian Daniel <laughs> thinks that you should. Um, <clears throat> well, so, I mean, that's – oh, man, that's so good. Well, we'll keep running on the food thing. Um, obviously, the the name of the podcast is Faith, Fitness, and French Toast. Everyone I bring on, I mean, we can talk about fitness till our faces turn blue. We can talk about industries, et cetera. But what people really want to know, the real important questions in life is breakfast. I'm a breakfast guy. Absolutely. doesn't matter what time of day. I, I can pound back bacon, pancakes, French toast, waffles. doesn't matter. My favorite question to ask every single one of my guests is what is your all-time favorite breakfast food and why? Um, I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't know. Eggs and bacon. You just obviously, I don't know. It's a staple. It's great. It's amazing. It's, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. It's good. Any time of the day. Um, if I have a big deadlift day or a squat day, I'll usually eat French toast. My man. Um, I'm a massive, I like French toast probably over anything else. The, as far as my like top, you know, breakfast treat goes, um, pancakes are all right. I would rather have French toast. I would pancakes are the third. I would probably have French toast, waffle, and then pancakes. Shamelessly pandering to the podcast. I appreciate it. (laughs) It's just a fact. It's, um, it's a texture thing. I mean, pancakes are sweet and all, but you know, after you just, I just kind of get over it after a minute. For sure. Yeah. If you give me French toast with a powdered sugar on it, maybe some banana slices, and uh, that carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, no, that's a good answer. You know, I've, I've gotten all kind. It, it's, it's this is what's so crazy. When I ask a question, for whatever reason in my head, I can't think of more than like five foods. Like all that really runs through my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, like waffles, maybe like bagels, French toast, pancakes, eggs, whatever. I've gotten like all sorts of – I've gotten like breakfast crepes. I've gotten like Spanish arepas. I've gotten you know breakfast sandwiches, croissant. Like I've gotten everything. So I feel like my own repertoire of breakfast foods is you know skyrocketed off of all y'all's answers. But Yeah, those are all nice once in a while, but I don't know, like – I mean, typically when I make pancakes, I like to make them thin like a crepe anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Some of that stuff is just like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, whatever. It's like, all right, like, cool. I guess I can eat that. But you're not going to do yeah. it daily. Exactly. Sure. Which, you know, I did have someone answer bacon. And I was like, you know what? That's a fair answer. Like, that's, I can respect that. You know, and he squats like a thousand pounds. So I was like, you know what? That's. That's a fair answer. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, maybe, maybe I should start I eating that more frequently. I don't. <laughs> well, you know, and obviously I, I'm seeing it right here on your name. The nickname is Bubble. And, and I know a little bit about how, how you've got the nickname just because I, I made sure to do my research beforehand. But for those who are listening, um, how, how in the world did you get the nickname Bubble? Uh, and how is it stuck? So when I was 19 and I... Uh, used to drink, you know, all my, all my friends, we would all go out and there was this, um, a band called MOD, which was Scott Ian from Anthrax. And I, I believe, um, Charlie, the drummer was in it too. They had the side project in the late eighties called MOD along they had SOD and that MOD. 
and the student Billy Milano is a singer and he wrote these just ridiculous lyrics, but they have a song called bubble butt. And uh, it's just <laughs> stupid drum beat. That's like, dun, 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 dun. and he just says bubble, butt over top of it a couple times on repeat. And uh, all my friends used to all sing it to me <laughs> <laughs> out, out in public. And it was the most embarrassing thing ever because I don't know. I got a, I got a, little bit of junk in the trunk. <laughs> so they asked to sing this stupid bubble butt song. And then uh, when I quit drinking finally and kind of started like getting my life together and um, I started boxing and training and started losing some weight because I was getting, a, I was like a fluffy 200 at the time. So I started training and, and running and doing all these things. And I got down to about like 175. I was pretty lean and, uh, but it stuck. They just wouldn't let it go away. So, <laughs> I used to be, from from that point on, I just kind of became bubble. It became bubble, and it stuck, and and it's becoming an still here. It's an endearing nickname at this point. People, most people probably have no idea how it started, but glad to hear it's such a a scarring moment for you back in the day. Yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, last last thing I got for you, you know, we're you know today is since I actually have no idea what day it is. Uh, since July nineteenth, you know, people are. You know, maybe they're going back to school here in the next few weeks if they're, you know, elementary, middle, high school, college. People are starting to get back to normal work. You know, it's hopefully, I say hopefully, fingers crossed, this COVID shit starts blowing down. You know, I wonder as you, you know, what's what's next for you? Um, what is, I know, probably tour dates have probably kind of, they're on pause. What 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 is what is the next six months, you know, of 2020 look like for you? Uh, and how can people? Well, I gotta bring up depressing stuff, you know. So, oh man, <laughs> um, you know, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah, I am figuring that out myself. I'm just honestly focusing on eating and training, and you know, making. Been really enjoying making actual edited cooking videos. It's been really cool, and trying to play my instrument more, and um, you know, be more proactive as far as a musician and using my time wisely. I've also been playing a lot of Call of Duty. My man. So that is the uh, an amazing time killer. <laughs> uh, but you know, I don't know. I'm I'm figuring it out because it's 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 just, it's tough. It's the first time in my life in 15 years where it's just been up in the air. Yeah. And I have to like you know I'm used to kind of having these long periods in between tours and go okay I know how much time I have off and then you kind of set a mental kind of calendar in your head of like what I need to do to you know make it through this and how I can do stuff. But when it's when it just feels like you're just unemployed and I know what's going on with the rest of the world, but you know, from my own personal perspective, it just feels like I'm just kind of dead in the water. Yeah. Um, so it's tough. And um, I don't know. I also, I, the only other thing that I've done is I, I did a, it's a voiceover seminar and I really want to get into that because I can do all these characters and tones and noises and stuff. So I really would really love to do cartoons. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd be a really, really cool thing. Yeah. Man, that that's actually that gets me fired up. That's exciting. I think I think that'd be a really cool, yeah. That wow, that actually be hype. I fully support that. I would say yeah. the cartoon thing for sure because I feel like that's just such a cool like. Hey, like, what do you do? Oh, I do voiceover for da 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 da. Like, I'm in blank. They're like, what? You know, like, put me in a Disney movie. <laughs> well, I think of I even think of like Dwayne Johnson. That there's a video of him every time his daughter loves Moana but doesn't know 
that he's in my like it's him and so that's amazing i didn't know that so he'll like sing the song to her and she's like oh my gosh that's so cool but it's literally him singing the song in the movie but she just has no idea yet and i'm like man that's just so cool she's gonna grow up and eventually be like wait that that was you like the whole time he's like yeah you know, I just think that's, yeah, that's just such a neat opportunity to have, you know? Yeah, that's really, really cool. Really, yeah. Everything he does is cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's like that one person. I'm like, man, you can do no wrong. Like, <laughs> pretty much. He really, like, I mean, he's just, he's like all of America's like dad. Like, he's just such a cool guy. And I still yeah, remember. <clears throat> oh, yeah. No, you're good. Well, I, I was just saying, you know, I still remember, I think probably the first time I even came across him, it wasn't even the WWE days it was you know i think it might have been like the race to witch mountain like when that like random movie came out like 2008 and everyone was like oh this guy's a pretty cool actor and since then i mean he's just i mean he's it he's like the highest paid actor in hollywood now and pretty it, much it's the same thing man he found what he loved and he's run with it there's not much more you can ask for him absolutely not well, folks, uh, you heard it here first. This has been a, a great conversation with Aaron Patrick. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at Bubble Is Forever. If you're Metalhead, you should already know this, but his band, All That Remains, is on all major streaming platforms. So be sure to uh, check them out. Stay tuned for, for what's to come for him. And make sure the next Disney movie may have our favorite bubble in it uh, <laughs> featuring the new main character. So. <laughs> we can hope so. But with that, folks, we'll catch you next time. Hey, y'all, if you love that episode and you want to get a little bit more from Aaron, as I said at the end of the episode, you can find him at Bubble Is Forever on Instagram. And you can, of course, find the band All That Remains on all major streaming platforms. You can stay tuned there for tour dates, new releases, and any updates that are coming for the band. If you love the episode and you're craving a little bit more from me, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast, or you can visit us on Instagram at Faith underscore Fitness underscore podcast for full interviews, trailers, and more for the rest of season four. We have a brilliant guest list for the second part of this half. So don't forget to turn on your post notifications on Instagram. Stay connected on your platform of choice to be the first to hear about guest announcements and those early episode releases I'm so fond of. With that, I'm Moses Allwood. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you July 25th with Garrett Fear.